this is Gigi Peterkin, and welcome to another episode of the Successful Failure Podcast. Today, I am very grateful to welcome C.C. Chapman to the show. Uh, if you look up C.C. Chapman online, you'll see that his bio was written for him by an advocate. This guy's that good at creating relationships that he had an, advo an advocate wrote his bio for him. Uh, my favorite line from the bio is that his skills are an embarrassment of riches, and I couldn't agree more. CC is a teacher, public speaker, entrepreneur, and author. He's co-writer of the best-selling Content Rules, how to create killer blogs, podcasts, videos, eBooks, webinars, and more that engage customers and ignite your business. That title is an SEO wet dream in and of itself. Um, he's also the author of Amazing Things Will Happen, a real world, real world guide on achieving success and happiness. As a marketer and content creator, he's worked with American Eagle Outfitters, Coca-Cola, HBO, and Warner Brothers. He is an avid and amazing photographer and part of the Samsung Image Logger program. And Cece is also the board president for Widico. Uh, Widico is a nonprofit that works with children to make their lives better. These kids are often suffering with extreme grief and other mental illness, and Widico is a support system for them. Uh, Cece is a father, a misfit, and I feel lucky to call him a friend. Cece, welcome to the show, and thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I totally am going to quote you, though, because an SEO wet dream, that might be the best description ever for the book. I just love that. I couldn't help but think it when I saw that. I was like, oh, my God, that's great. Uh, that's so fun. Man, I just, it's so funny because the subtitle, no one ever reads that. It's so, you know, the, the publisher loves it. And, yeah, you're right. It's perfect for getting searched and SEO, but I've never had it. So no one's quite put it that perfectly before. Glad I could help. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time. And it's great to be able to talk to you again, having just seen you in Fargo a couple I weeks know. ago. Um, I'm really happy that you want to come on and talk to us about failure, because certainly after that bio, anybody could look at your online presence and think this guy's life is just a history of success after success after <laughs> success. And um, I'm glad that you sort of want to help share and pull the curtain back a little bit and talk to us about the things that have gone on behind the scenes so that other people going through that can dig in and get past these failures to do what they're meant to do and make the world better through my yeah. glasses. Is how I see it, my resume yeah. glasses. <laughs> so I don't do much preamble. This is the most I've done. I'm going to jump right All in. Right. And um, I wanted to talk about the difference between failings and failure. Um, I know that there have certainly been times in my life when I have failed at something. I've failed at creating a piece of writing or a painting or even something more specific for a job. And I very quickly labeled myself a failure at that particular task. Um, experience has taught me that that's not necessarily the case. And I'm wondering how you separate some of the failings you've had from being a failure at. Sure. Yeah, I mean, failure is one of those things. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the current trend of, you know, fail fast and fail often and failure's a must. I mean, I do think every human does fail. And I think you, you will fail multiple times in your life. And it's one of those things that 
Um, when you're in the heart of it, when you're going through the failure, when you have failed at a task, no matter how trivial it may be in the grand scheme of things, that we all kick ourselves. I mean, I know I certainly do. I kick myself all the time. We're, we're our own biggest critics. And to fail is normal. If you're, you know, if all you're doing is nothing in this world, getting up and going to sleep, then you're never going to fail. But the, the, for the rest of us and the people who are listening to this, you know, we're out there trying to make our life um, all that it can be. And you do, you are going to fail. And you're, being a failure uh, rarely is, you know, I guess would be like one task, you know, where you're, you're, you're writing something, you're trying to create something, or you're given a task from your job and you fail at it. That doesn't make you a failure. I think failures are the people who, you know, give up or listen to that voice a little too much and they shut down and they never try to do anything more. Uh, and they never actually accomplish something, and that makes you a failure. Um, failing just means that you blew it. You blew it once, twice, many times. And it's one of those things where I've got two teenagers now. You know, I try, I try explaining that to them, and of course they don't listen because I'm just a parent. You know, I've never been through the stuff they've been through. I mean, we've all been there. But I, you know, I try to remind them that you are going to fall down. You're going to kick yourself. You're going to fail at things, and it's going to suck. It's going to hurt. Uh, and some are hurt, more hard, harder than others, um, but that doesn't make you a failure. Failure are those people who shut down and give up and never try again, in, in my mind. I completely agree, and my preteen even has a hard time with that concept, so I have no idea what's going to happen <laughs> once the calendar turns to 13. I'm, I'm trying to stop time. Um, so I'm wondering, in, in building on that theme, um, a failure that you've had that you've been most grateful for once the dust has settled and you've picked yourself up and come through to the other side. It, it's funny because I knew you were going to ask this question. And I had to think think about it a, a bit to try to think of one that you know had a silver lining because most of them don't. You fail and you pick yourself back up and you move on. But the one that the one that I thought about is uh, when my wife and I were fairly young and you know we had we had our first, had Dylan. He was you know a baby at the time. And I remember we didn't plan well for taxes and planned stupidly for taxes. And it was one of these things where all of a sudden, you know, come April 15th, we had this massive bill. And it was massive, especially for, you know, being two, we were probably 25, 26-ish at the time. And we freaked out. And we were like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And and a lot of it was the failure piece of this was because we hadn't planned appropriately. We weren't educated enough on the financials. Um, basically, basically, what happened is I made more external uh, income than I had planned for. Didn't know these things about you know 1099s and mm -hmm. paying estimated taxes and all those things. I knew nothing about it. It was our own fault for not learning those things. And suddenly we found ourselves with a bill and paying monthly um, bits and pieces. But it, it was a failure on our part to not know what we were doing. And what came out of it though was because because all of a sudden it forced us to look at all of our money and our, and our debt and all these things. And it kind of set us down this path of, okay, debt consolidation and, you know, getting rid of credit cards and paying off debt. And really the, the, the good part that came out of this was years, 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 years later, all of a sudden we found ourselves where, oh, my God, we don't have all this crushing debt Um and, you know, we, everyone still had, we still have some debt, of course, but it was one of these things where it was that failure of suddenly getting this massive tax bill that we're like, how are we ever going to pay this? And it started forcing us to look at money and treat money and become more financially educated. Um, we're still not where I'd love us to be, but it, is, it definitely forced us down this road of um, taking care of things that are way too easy to kind of push off till later. And, you know, I, 
I, I, I would not, I, I can still, I still got a pit in my stomach just thinking about that moment, uh, figuring out the taxes and finding out how much it was going to be. But uh, looking back, it did turn out good for us in the end. How do you pass that lesson along to your kids then? Because this is a classic, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And that's a really tough way to learn that lesson. So I guess it's a two-part question. How have you passed that on to your kids? And how has that changed the way you've investigated things or set yourself up going forward in life for maybe another business venture or another entrepreneurial task? You know, has it changed how you've investigated things before you've jumped in? Yeah, I mean, the, the, for the kids one, it's hard because, but we're doing it right now because uh, my son turned 16 a few months back and this summer he's going to be getting hopefully getting his first job and so he's in the process now of applying but one of the things we automatically did was we went to our bank and said hey when can a kid open a banking account because I remember having uh, like a checking not a checking it but I remember having a savings account when I was a little kid these little passbooks pass yeah, yeah right okay but they don't do that anymore <laughs> and we actually went to the bank the other day this was literally over the weekend and said Hey, what can we do for our son? And found out that we can, oh, he can open up an account underneath us, so he doesn't have to worry about minimums and all that junk. But what, we're insisting that he open a savings and a checking because, like, he's had um, he's been saving for a car, and he, he has it in a little box in his room, which is not the way to save money. And we kind of want to show him that and start really teaching him because before they have money, it's really hard to teach them. I mean, especially before they have things they really want to spend money on, you know, now that he's 16 and we start talking about where well, you're going to have to buy gas or you're going to have to. So we start getting them involved with that take, you know, little things like taking them grocery shopping. So they start understanding how much money things cost and choosing between different things. Um, and right now that's really all we can do because the, the idea of talking about like college where he's going in two years, probably we start talking, when you start talking about no kid has that concept of how much money college costs, but we're trying to teach him, but I, I don't know if we've done a good job or not, but we're, you know, taking it in baby steps, trying to make sure that he understands he got his first, someone wrote him a check the other day and, and we had to teach him how to sign a check because he'd never done it before. You know, these little things that we forget that we've known for years. So I think, yeah. The only way you can pass it on is baby steps, you know, as it becomes relevant to them. Because if you talk about a concept beforehand, before they have any way to justify it to them, I don't think they're ever going to really pay attention. But now that he's got money and hopefully he'll have a paycheck coming in and we get to teach him the fun things about taxes and, you know, and Social Security and all those fun things. Um, I think, it, you know, you have to, you know, teach by example, I think, is the only way. I agree. And I know... Um... My kids are too young to earn an income, so when we go to the store, Target, their favorite toy aisle to frequent, and 39.99 isn't that much, right. Mom. Come on, give me the money. And um, yeah, well, I know yeah. any lesson I teach them, it just rolls right off their back. Yeah, and you tried teaching them, it was funny, I forget what it was. My son saw something, he goes, Oh, yeah, and it's not that expensive. And it was, I mean, it, I don't remember what it was, but it was several hundred dollars, whatever. It was like $200 or something. I don't even remember what the toy, what the thing was. I said, okay, we'll start saving for it. Or, you know, I remember we did this one time with some other gadget they wanted. And we said, you save half, we'll pay the other half. And they started realizing, my God, that's going to take a long time to save mm -hmm. half. And we're like, exactly. <laughs> that's how it works. Um, how has it changed your approach, though, to 
learning about things that maybe you don't know or, or preparing for that surprise that could come at you and sort of upend the successes that you've had in one fell swoop like the taxes did? I mean, I think I think I am more cautious than before. And, you know, and that's a, a blessing and a curse because sometimes I'm like, I want to find out everything. I want to know everything I can so that I don't run into a wall. Uh, and so I hold back rather because sometimes Sometimes, you know, if you, it's a balancing act because you got to be educated enough not to hurt yourself. But if you wait to know everything, you're never going to get started either. So it's, it's that balancing act. Like, where, like, perfect real world example is I still want to start my own nonprofit, but there is so much paperwork, so much legality. Like, I want to do it by the rules. I don't want to break a law and suddenly be in jail, right? I want to do it by the books. I want to make sure it's, you know, the funds go where they're supposed to and things are taken care of. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I don't know how to do that or this or that. And, you know, and it's also something I don't like, like bookkeeping. I hate, I hate with a passion. If I didn't have to deal with numbers, I'd be happy. Um, so it's one of those things where I'm still trying to find out all the information I need. And it's held me back from moving forward with what I want to do. Whereas I know I could probably find someone to help me with those other parts. Um, so I think that's where it's a balancing act now where I'm much more cautious now, especially when it involves money, because I'd never want you know, Mr. Taxman to come knocking on my door again or, you know, something worse because money brings out the worst in people. It really, really does. And especially, and it's amazing how many people are just trying to do good or just trying to, you know, go by the rules and yet they get screwed over. And I don't want that to happen. Yeah, we were having that (laughs) household conversation last week about it seems that those laws were set up to sort of catch the either people with so much money that they're stashing it and hiding it or the nefarious people who are trying to get one over. And it's so often the folks who are trying to play by the rules that get caught in that net, like dolphin. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember when I, I remember my accountant who I've had now for years, but I remember when we first started, I said, listen, I know there's so many corners that can be cut or, you know, you know, not, not broken, but cut. And I said, don't do that for me. Please don't. I said, Keep it on the straight and narrow because I'd rather miss out on, you know, a few hundred dollars or whatever than have the IRS come down on me in the future. You know, because accounting's a, a dark, uh, I'm going to piss off all the accounts, but it's a dark art, right? There's lots of, there's lots of rubber bands you can stretch. You know, accounting can get very creative. And I really remember telling my accountant, please don't get too creative with my numbers, please. And he laughed. He's like, well, of course not. I'm like, well, I don't know you yet, so I don't know. That's funny. I'm sure that it's all... If anybody's listening from the IRS, I'm sure yeah. it's all in the straight and narrow, and we're going <laughs> to pivot a little bit off of finances. Um, to ask you a question that I, I tend to start with, but I've mixed it up a little bit for you, and I want to know what your relationship is with failure at this stage in your life, in your career, and how it's changed as a result of experience over time. I think, you know, I think part of what I, I'm not quite sure how to my, my gut, my, my first reaction when you ask this question is, well, I'm more I, I kind of don't care about it as much anymore. But that's not 100 percent true. I think what I'm trying to say, you know, because if I fail, it sucks. I hate it, you know, and and I get angry at myself. You know, why did you do that? You should have worked harder or done something more and you wouldn't have failed. But at the same time, I guess being a, a little bit older and maybe a little bit wiser um, 
I, I've come to realize that failure is going to be part of my life, especially living the life of a misfit and an entrepreneur. We're going to fail quite often. Uh, and so I've kind of shook it off. And, and what I mean by that is I don't strive for per- perfection. I think perfection is just is a lie. I think it's something that too many people, if you are always hunting perfection, you never do anything. And I've watched that happen to dear friends of mine. So I guess that's why I'm like, you know, if I fail, I just got to pull myself back up. You know, I have a pity party for a day or whatever, pick myself back up and then, you know, jump back in the arena. Right. And try it again. And I think that's that's definitely taken a long, long time um, to get to that point. And failure used to used to haunt me for a lot longer than it does today, but it still happens today. And it's still, um, it's not something that I enjoy. It doesn't get easier, but I think it gets, it's definitely gotten easier to move beyond it as I, as I've dealt with it more. Yeah, I, I can completely get that. And as you know, I had a pretty colossal failure <laughs> last week and it did knock me on my ass, but I was having a conversation with our friend, Jane Boyd, sometime around Thursday, and I said, is it wrong that I'm thinking about this in terms of a talk? And this would be like a really great talk to give on how to move through. And she's like, not at all. And and I thought about that in terms of this question, because I think three years ago, it wouldn't have popped into my head. Um, But experience has taught me that when I'm done being pissed off and when I'm done beating myself up I'm gonna you know move through it and this is actually a story worth sharing and it could be a really good talk so and that's the difference about people like us where we think about we're already you're I mean you're in the middle of a really tough time but you're already thinking about okay when I move past this because I know I'm going to move past it at some point um I think though that's that's kind of what I'm getting at is that you know 10 years ago from 10 years ago would you have ever Probably not. I think most of us would be caught up in the moment, in the, in, in the, in the hurricane and the tornado that you're in the middle of and never realize, yes, I know I'm going to get out of this at some point. I don't know how or when, but I know it's going to pass. I think that kind of knowing comes only with time and going through failures and challenges. I agree. And also building a support network. Oh, I crucial. think it's huge. And really the only way, at least for me, that I think you can do that is to be vulnerable enough to share because only then do you realize other people have gone through this. You're not alone. And, you know, these are people that maybe you're looking at and saying, I want to be like them when I grow up and when they can come over to you and say, yeah, I've been where you are and it sucks, but it gets better. The the juxtaposition of vulnerability and failure to strength and success, I think is just so critical and and something that we spend so much time avoiding that I think the more vulnerable that you can be, um, the more you're going to learn not only about yourself, but the the better network you're going to build. Yeah. And it it is so true and it is so hard. Um, because you put yourself out there, right? especially in today's world where, you know, you've got to really trust people and have that support network, especially in a virtual sense where, I mean, I know we, we share a similar trust network and tribe, but just as easily, some, you know, without that, if you didn't have that level of trust, you know, someone could cut and paste these stories and post them out there to the general public. And that would be just, that would be horrible. Oh but thank, right. But thankfully... And it does. It takes giving that trust and having that trust is hard. I mean, it's because we've all been hurt. We've all been 
um, lied to or had that trust broken, but um, having that support network and being vulnerable it, and being vulnerable is tough because, you know, there's a, there's a certain public image for anybody out there now, especially with social media, everybody puts on a smiley face to the public and it's like, well, how much, how much do I, you know, put away the smiley face today and say, listen, I'm hurting or I need help. Um, and I, time and time again, I've seen that when you do put out that vulnerability and you do say, I need help or I don't know what to do. It always, always, always ends better than it, than, than you ever imagine. Then you worry about, cause you always worry about, Oh my God, what are people going to think of me? Um, at the end of the day, the good humans are compassionate and have empathy towards each other and are going to help each other out, which if you don't have that support network, you've got to find it. It's crucial. It is crucial. And it's, I'm sitting here while you're talking, drawing the parallel between the support network and then advocates from the brand perspective. So I'm, it's leading me to ask, do you ever counsel the brands that you work with to be vulnerable online? I counsel them all the time. Do they ever listen? No, they don't. Um, Yeah, it's one of those things that we talk a lot about. And it it goes back to one of these content rules we had in the book that says, you know, specifically there it says speak human, but at the end of the day, it's be human. Um, You know, a brand being vulnerable is an interesting thing because it's one of those where, you know, they got to, if it's not true, if it's not heartfelt, if it isn't real, then it's going to just be, then, then you should be punched in the throat. That goes for humans too. But it's just, you know, being vulnerable is when it's appropriate and when it's real is there's nothing wrong with it. And it's, it's hard to give that to a brand, but I, you know, I try to explain to them, listen, you know, there's nothing wrong with showing your human side. It doesn't have to be about you. It doesn't have to be about what's the marketing angle or the, what's the KPI or the ROI or whatever acronym you want to lay out that day. It shouldn't always be about that. And, you know, very few brands, no matter who they are, can figure that out that, you know, all brands are run by people and all the customers are people. You can be a person too, but you know, I don't know, but you know, more and more brands are going to figure it out and they're going to be successful and people are going to buy stuff from them and it's all going to work out. And the rest of them are just not going to figure it out. This is true. And (laughs) it's also empowering to own your failure because if you fail as a brand, your consumers are going to talk about it. Of course they are. Um, so kind of getting there, admitting it, embracing it, and moving forward, um, it's not something to fear, I don't think, no, but no, I've no. also been told I'm odd in that perspective. <laughs> Maybe you have too. We're misfits, right? We're misfits, We're and misfits. it's okay. It's okay. So I asked you before we started recording if there was a failure that you had that leveled you, punched you in the gut, you thought you'd never recover from. And not only did you recover, as we do time and again, but it actually then helped lead you to a success that you might not have had otherwise. And and I'm still trying to think of like the perfect answer to this. And Yeah, I know, right? There you go. (laughs) Damn you. Um, No, I I think, I mean, part of it, the the only one I can think of, and it's not going to sound like a failure, but it, 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 so I I had an agency that I ran, ran called the Advance Guard, and we were acquired by another, um, another agency. And, you know, people hear, oh, you were acquired, and all they see is, you know, dollar signs and, and and bags of money. And, And it wasn't that at all. And, and I still, I, I sort of, I did another, I, I was on another podcast and they asked me if I had any regrets in life. And well, I said, I, I try not to have regrets, but one of my regrets partially is selling the company because 
and it is part of a failure too because I think when I look at it from the and if my if my former business partner who's still one of my best friends ever hears this I wonder what he would say but we we failed to grow the company the way we wanted to and we failed to um, do all these things that we wanted to do and I think we failed by giving in and saying yes because it was the easy answer to being acquired because suddenly we didn't have to worry about you know, the next client, and we didn't have to worry about taking care of our books, which neither of us really like doing. Um, but when I look back, I still go, damn, what the, should we have done that? I think we've messed up. But on the flip side, you know, here I am now, God, how many years, at least five years later, I forget when, when it was, I'm blanking. Um, but, you know, it's all worked out because it set me on the track to being a freelancer. Um, I probably never would have written Amazing Things Will Happen. Content rules may not have even happened if I had stayed on that path. Um, but I do think it, part of me has always felt it was a failure. It was a cop-out. It was the easy path. Um, and I messed up saying yes to that, to, to, to being acquired. And it doesn't, it's not the typical failure, but it is something. If I have any regret in my life, and it's the only thing when I think about regrets, I think back to that and think, man, I don't know. I don't know if I made the right call, if we made the right call. But then again, I look where I am now, and I'm like, well, would any of this have happened? So it's – I know it's not like a, some epic crash or anything, but that's the closest thing I can come up with. That's a pretty epic story. <laughs> I mean, when your business gets acquired, I, I can't imagine the, the ups and downs. So have you ever looked yourself in the mirror and just asked the question, would you do it again? And All the time. You, yeah. I, I do, I've, done it, I've done it several times, and I don't – it's hard, I, right? Part, yeah, because yeah. part of me, part of me goes, yeah, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Because um, I always worried about it was one of these things where um, my business partner and I, we, we were both kind of like it was one of those things where we were like, do we do it? Do we not? And it was one of those. I think we were both kind of going, well, whatever the other one says, we're going to agree with because we didn't want to ruin the friendship either. Um, and it all worked out. All both sides of it, it all it all worked out. But I often go back and wonder where would we be today if we had kept doing this and if we had been better at. Uh, like business development is, is one of my weakest skills in the world. Put me in a room. I will make everybody want to buy whatever I'm selling, but then closing the deal is what I hate. I'm like, ah, contracts, money, ah, get me out of there. I just want to do the work, but yeah. I, I, and I often do, I often wonder where would we be? Did I make the right decision? But at the same time, I don't try to reflect on that. Cause if I'm looking in the rear view nonstop, I'm going to end up crashing into something in the front of me and I don't want to do that. Yeah, you'll drive off the road. <laughs> exactly. Right. It's true. Um, so do you think then this sort of leads me to my next, my next thought and my next question. Do you think people can fail skillfully? I, I know when I talked to William Gallagher a few weeks ago, he talked to me about this way he has of sort of concealing and walling off. And, and once something has either happened, he talked about it in terms of a layoff with a job and, once that happens, they no longer have access to what he's thinking. And even if it's destroying him, he will just sit there and very honestly say, okay, this is what I'm working on. And it was a skill that I was really impressed with because I don't have that filter. Um, <laughs> but do you think people can fail skillfully? And are there any skills or tricks you've learned along the way when you've gone through your own ups and downs? Yeah, I think it's kind of like crashing an airplane, right? I mean, I know nothing about flying airplanes, but I know, I know that, that not not every plane crashes, nose dives into the ground and blows up. There's ways you can try to slow it down and lay it lay it out flat. And I think that's a perfect analogy because, sure, you know, 
especially in today's world where if you fail, you know, do you share it with the world? Do you bitch and moan to the public? Do you scream or, or do you just keep it inside yourself and kind of, um, like I know I have a paper journal that I write in and I write the stuff in there that I would never write publicly because I do have a filter and it's a smart filter. You don't have to throw everything out to the public. And, you know, I've, I've failed in those pages plenty that people haven't seen. And I think, I think you can be smart about it. And, you know, unfortunately, things like Twitter and Facebook made people think they had to share the world. And, they, and sometimes you don't need to. You need that trusted network or that safe space to scream and yell and, and share. Um, but I think too many people kind of forget that just because they have a megaphone of the Internet, they don't have to use it. Uh, and I think that's I, – I know it's not totally answering the question, but I do think there is better ways um, to fail. And I think it's something you have to figure out on your own. And, and having that – I think having a space like like path path is a social network that not a lot of people use but for me that's my like private space i can say anything in there i can trash anybody i can do whatever i want and i know it's not going to go anywhere because it's a really really small network of people for me and there's other little places like that but knowing which audience i can i can i can yell and scream in is is really key um but yeah you don't have to and don't 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 play the martyr card too too often people play and i don't to say that lightly but people you know oh woe is me look at this this is the, the. no i you know i just my dad i guess maybe part of it is being you know blue collar family growing up in new hampshire my dad from day one has always told me there is always somebody having a worse day than you and it's so true and i know life has this concept where it'll tell you that if you're having a really bad day suddenly you get a phone call from a friend who's having a worse day and so i always try to keep that in perspective that no matter how bad stuff is going in my world you know, I'm, I'm vertical, I'm alive, mm -hmm. and there's people out there who are neither of those things. So my day is going better than somebody else. So roundabout way of answering your question. <laughs> I think um, to put a finer point on it, uh, gratitude is certainly a way that you can avoid oh, yeah. martyrdom. And, and there is a point, even when you're going through something terrible, um, Eric Prue, hope he doesn't mind oh, well. me sharing this, but he, he shared with me recently, he said, just practice gratitude. Just be, find one thing to be grateful for and, and do that every day, and it will help turn things around. And I found that to be very true and, and a lot in line with what you're, um, what you're saying. Somebody else is always having a bad day. And to, to even flip that around, it's, okay, I'm having a bad day with all these things, but I have all these things that are good in my life as well, and I need to focus on that. Yeah, I mean, that happens all the time. I mean, I, I was saying that someone, I was having a conversation with a dear friend recently, and I said, they said, how are, how are you doing? I said, I said, I am not, I have nothing that I should be allowed to complain about. You know, because I just look around my house and my kids and my wife, and, and I'm like, I, I've got a lot of really good things and i'm not talking material things i have really good things in my life i shouldn't complain about these little things that in the grand scheme are little things i mean when you know when i've got a dear friend who literally was just diagnosed with cancer and i'm like ah i got nothing to complain about because she's dealing with something that i can't even imagine so yeah i mean keeping it in perspective is so so key have you ever been on a public stage and sort of been called out there are times, I think, where we can internalize and keep our failures private. And then there's times, especially when you've achieved a certain amount of a success, as you have, and you speak publicly and you put yourself out there. <laughs> Has that ever put you in a position where maybe you've been called out publicly and you haven't been able to go 
privately away without really answering that, you know? Um, I'm trying to think if I've ever been, I mean, I've been challenged. I don't think I've ever been really called out. I mean, the closest thing I can think of, which isn't being called out, but I mean, you were in the room uh, last year in Fargo where I kind of just, I kind of went more honest and open than I've ever been on stage. And anybody who knows me knows I'm pretty open and honest all the time. But in front of a room full of mostly strangers, I pretty much bared my soul in a way I hadn't before. And it, it was really, it was really good for me. It felt awesome. But um, that was a very special moment. But I'm trying to think if anyone's ever really like gone after me on stage. And sadly, no, I don't think they have because I would have gone probably right after them back. Um, but I, but that would be kind of fun. But no, I just, nah, I don't, I think, uh, yeah. I don't think I've ever had to do deal with that. That was a very powerful moment in Fargo. And I think that's the difference between being empowered to have control yourself about what you're going to reveal and what you want versus sometimes when a troll is just out there and saying, I know this thing about you and I'm going to tell the world and you're going to have to deal with it and defend right. it or not. Um, so I was just curious if that had ever happened, but I guess I've been I've been I've been fortunate on that, and it's you know trolls suck. I mean they're they're a reality of the world we live in now, and I guess I've been pretty blessed that I I haven't yet. And I'm trying to. It's funny. I'm trying to think of things. Yeah, now you've got me wondering if there are, if there were what what sort of things would like would if someone held over my head. Yeah, 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 like would hold over my head, dangle over me that I wouldn't jump right on and and, and go. Yeah, this happened. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's something that I'm not thinking of, but. And this no is one... not an invitation to <laughs> trolls now to find something, because that's how the universe works. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> well, I have learned a lot. I think you're awesome in everything you do. I appreciate your social good and the work that you do uh, for brands. I hope that more Thank of you. them listen to you and shown their vulnerable side, um, because it's all part of the world we live. We're all consumers, and you know, for a brand to get advocates of people who really love them and, and want to do things for them is a powerful thing. So hopefully more brands will uh, listen and I'm sure you're going to continue to do great things in the world. Do you have another book or anything that you're working on right now? I thought I heard. Oh maybe. God, damn you. No, I mean, I, yeah, no, I, you sound like my literary agent. No, I, I am. I'm trying to, I've got a couple different book ideas that I want to work on, but it's one of those things where I know I could write a book right now, like another content rules or another, like something like that. And it would sell really good, but it's not what I want to do for my soul. So I'm kind of balancing that out of figuring out what, what could I write just for the money of writing it? And what do I want to write? And yeah, there's definitely another book. Um, I made the mistake of saying that maybe I'd launch a new book at, at misfit next year. You know, that'd be a nice goal and I'm still shooting for that, but who knows if it'll happen. But yeah, I'm, I'm constantly writing, uh, my daughter's all over my case to write some fiction, so that's that's a dream someday to publish a, a, a novel. But that that ain't coming out at Misfit here. I'll put that out there. That is not happening. But uh, someday, you know, there's always there's always another book. There's always another project. There's always another photography assignment. Always going around in my head. It never stops. It's just, it's it's the what I call the curse of the creative. There's always another. There's always something more that I want to create. And if that ever stops. It means I'm dead. So that's I think that's the only day that's gonna not ha that I'm not gonna want to have another thing created is the moment that they put me in the ground. 
Wow. Many years from now, I hope. Many, many, many. many years <laughs> from now. Well, I, for one, will look forward to the next image Thank that you. hits your Instagram and to anything else that you create. And thanks again for taking the time and sharing your stories with us. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And I hope to see you again soon and not in an airport. <laughs> me too. Although it was a great conversation. It was a good breakfast, yeah. Airport food, yeah. <laughs> All right, Cece, have a great day. All right, take care.